Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have Marcel Tom of Tom Fitness Strength and Conditioning. Marcel, what is going on, sir? How are you today? I'm doing blessed and highly favored, brother. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Doing well. Can't complain. Excited to Every day is a blessing. Excited to get you back on here. For those who are avid listeners of the podcast, Marcel has has joined us before. We'll try to to catch people up a little bit here for the moment. For those that didn't catch the first interview, Marcel, tell us a little bit about Tom Fitness and, and what this is in general. When you describe what you do, what do you tell people? Absolutely. So Tom Fitness is um it's not just a brand. It's more than just a brand. It's about um, changing lives, you know, from a from a mental and a physical perspective, because as a as a fitness uh, expert, we all fo- we usually f- we focus on just the the aesthetics part of it, you know, it's what we can do to make the the, the customer um, look good. But it's it's a it's a bigger picture than just that. So what I try to incorporate um, into my business is pretty much the mind and body are both inseparable, and in order to have a great physique, you have to have a great mind also too. So I try to incorporate physical fitness as far as mental fitness also too, um, for the whole body concept. Got it. So multiple aspects of this, tell us a little bit about when this became a profession for you. Tell me not necessarily the day that we started training people, but tell me about the day the idea popped into your head. I'm going to start up my own business. What was going on for you and how did we get here? Yeah, absolutely. So that was in 2010. Um, I was in, I was actually in the Air Force and um, I did 20 years, retired. Um, so during my time in the military, people came up to me a lot of times and asked me questions while I was working out like, hey, you know, what could I do to enhance this muscle part? Or um, you look like, you know, a bodybuilder or you look like, you know, because of the aesthetics. So um, also being a two sport athlete, I played football in, in college and in high school and I ran track. So it's just a lifestyle and being in the military, you are actually quote unquote forced to work out pretty much. So um, I just ran with it because I was getting asked the questions. I love and enjoy working out. It's a passion of mine. And one day it just clicked on me. I said, you know what, if the air force is going to pay for my education, not just a degree, but a certification also, I might as well get certified and do what I enjoy as a passion. So um, fast forward, I went ahead and got one certification which led to another certification that I became quote unquote uh, legal um, to where I could work in a gym setting on base or mm-hmm. off base. And, and pretty much, yeah, that's how it came about. The whole concept of being a, I'm going to just say personal trainer. I don't use that word any longer, but that's how I started out in personal training. Yeah. Look back on, on the time that you've been doing this for a minute and just sort of reminisce here. What's been, what's been your favorite part about, calling the shots and running the show and what's been the most challenging part for you so far? Oh yeah. Uh, once again, great question. Favorite part is just that satisf- sat- satisfaction, just um, making a difference, making a, a impact and putting a stamp on someone's life. So when I get like testimonials, whether it's verbally, whether it's via email or text, just that the positive vibes, 
you know, saying, hey, something like, hey, you made a difference in my life. It's, it's that's just gratitude to us to the fullest. If someone ever tells me that, you know, and that's what I love about just this craft, just the gratitude of, of changing lives from a physical perspective to make not just the aesthetics, once again, the body for life, but for health in general, overall, overall wellness to where one day you could play with your grandkids, your kids, you can climb the stairs at 75 years old. The most challenging is, oh my goodness, just the business aspect of it. I can train very well. I know I can. I have the knowledge, the skill set to do that. But there are two sides to this, two facets. And the most challenging is the business aspect because I know what my craft is. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, as you mature in the industry, you start thinking about, hmm, okay, outsourcing to do this and this so I could focus mm -hmm. more on my craft. So that's the, that's the most challenging part of the business aspect to make a long story short. Yeah. I think, and I talk to a lot of people on this podcast all the time, and you could be the greatest trainer on the planet, but if nobody knows that you're there, you're going to be training nobody but yourself. And, and that doesn't help anybody. You know, a lot of the time we, we shy away from these terms like marketing and sales, but we don't have to look at it that way. You know, like if we genuinely believe in the product of what we're putting out, that it's going to help people, we should be telling as many people as we can. At least that's what I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, absolutely. Totally in agree. The, in the time that you've been doing this, Marcel, I'm sure that, that you've uh, tried a, a few, at least different strategies to, to get some new clients. What do you think has worked well for you over the years? And what would you maybe not recommend people invest their time or their dollars in as far as a marketing strategy? Yeah, marketing is huge. I can't I can't stress the importance of marketing, and you know that too, Joseph. Uh, you could be the best once again, but if 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 the buzz isn't out there about your business, about whatever it is you do in, in the industry, no one's gonna ever know. So you have to. Me personally, I realize you have to establish a niche. You know, everybody can say, "Hey, I'm a trainer." But what sets you apart from everyone else? And that's something we learned over the years. The trainer I am today is not the same trainer I was back in 2010 when I got certified. So just trying to do, just to pivot, doing different things, um, like raising my prices, for example. I, I, I didn't want to do that, but I have a mentor, you know, I uh, have a coach. Every coach needs a coach. So mm. the first, when I found out about raising my prices, I thought that I was just doing a disservice to everyone. I was like, no, I can't do that. But if <laughs> this you, is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's not, it's totally crazy. So, um, but you also have to have confidence in what you're doing and you need to make sure you can live up to that because now it's a huge responsibility if you raise your prices and you get that phone call because they're going to have more skin in the game if they want to pay that bigger dollar. Um, so right. pretty much you have to be able to solve the problem, Okay. Um, identify what the problem is. And it's a four-step approach. I use four steps. Um, identify your niche, be able to solve the problem. Um, you want to have a significant offer, okay? You want a, sig a signature offer. That's what I call it, a VIP or signature offer. Then you want to also just continue to sell, sell, sell. And then you want to funnel in fans. Top of the line is lead generation, though. You have to have that lead generation. But back to the marketing, marketing has helped me a lot in my career because it's exposure. It's exposure. So you got to have it. Yep. Now for you, how do, how are we getting those leads? You mentioned lead generation being such a crucial component of this. Absolutely. Is this 
like traditional marketing, like flyers? Is this social media? Is this something else? What What's worked well for you? Yeah, uh, word of mouth, I'm going to say that's number one. Word of mouth is number one. Um, I would also say, and it started when I was in the Air Force. I had a couple stints um, on, on television um, to showcase my skills. I had a Discovery Channel um, stint. Um, it was, it was uh, a survivor school I went to, and we talked about the mindset and fitness. Um, then I did a couple of segments on the news, and that helped. And that's free advertisement, you know. So honestly, media, if you can get media, if you can get media attention, that is like the prime way to go. Because now thousands or millions of people are actually watching you. They tune in to see. It's, it's more than just publications are good, too. But the media, if you're in front of that screen, they can see you. And it's, once again, it's free advertising. You just have to get that good pitch to whoever it is, the producers, or if you know someone that can actually help with that. But that's helped me a lot, actually. And the phones ring just because of that, because they look at you yeah. as a credible expert now. Mm -hmm. It is, yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, we need to be where eyeballs are, right? We need to get seen one way that's or another. 100%, 100%. Talk to me about the next step in the process here, Marcel. Somebody reaches out, they're, they're interested in training in some capacity. Walk me through how you transition this person from just interested lead to paying client. What's that sales process actually look like? Yeah, first I want to let them know, um, the, the customer, that I need to understand what they want from me. I need to make sure I can fulfill their needs. Because they are, this is an investment. I, I, when I when I when I get that phone call or that email, I don't. I rarely use the word price. I always say investment, because price sounds too transactional and too salesy. So I always say, hey, do you want to invest in this package or this package? Investment is the word I always use. And then I also have to ask them a few questions, like, hey, um, what is your body type? And they'll be like, wait, what is that? So you have to explain to them, okay, there's an ectomorph, mesomorph because you can't build that house if you don't know the foundation. So that's the, that's the scientific tactical part I get because when I say that, they're like, okay, no one's ever asked me this question before, you know? And I can't help you if I don't understand what your foundation is like. So um, pretty much that's it, pretty much. And, and they I tell them, hey, nutrition, everything goes hand in hand, sleep. You have to have all components of the full spectrum cycle, sleep, nutrition, form in the gym. You can't get that body for life or whatever you're trying to achieve if you don't follow all components of the full spectrum cycle. And got it. Yeah. And so a lot of this, it sounds to me like is educational from the beginning, right? It's not necessarily telling them, hey, I think you should do this and this and this. It's yeah. first and foremost, what do you want? So yeah. Second, here are some strategies to get there. Here's how it's going to. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind. I'll, exactly. Joseph. Also too, and that's the reason why I got into bodybuilding because um, bodybuilding has a lot to do with body manipulation. Okay. And I competed in um, healthy OCB shows where they do drug testing and polygraphs to where we're natural bodybuilders. So if you could manipulate yourself in a safe and effective manner efficiently, then that shows the perspective customers or team members, I try not to use the word clients, that's too transactional once again, that shows them that, hey, this person has the capability to manipulate their body 
to peak condition without utilizing drugs. You know, so that's where my bodybuilding came in. I'm a trainer. I got the education I need and I can show you how to transform your body to whatever you need, whatever form you need it to. Yeah. Walk me through some of the things that you think about when it comes to keeping clients long-term. A lot of our industry has, has focused so heavily on just signing up people, signing up yep. people, signing up yep. people. But if we can't keep them, then it doesn't mean anything in the end. What is, what do what do you focus on to, to retain the clients that you have? That's a great question. So that's called, so pretty much in my, in my, in my um, eyes, I look at that as client retention. So there's, People I train that I've known, I retired in 2014 and I still have people I train virtually. So my whole mindset regarding retention is I want them to fly eventually one day. If you want to train with me currently, that's totally fine. But the goal and the objective of what I want for my team members or my customers is for them to eventually know how to do this on their own. They'll, they, know how to, they know how to fly, okay? If they need me, I'll be here for them. But if you achieve those goals, which you, what you want to accomplish, you know, by reaching out to Tom Fitness and you say, hey, I think I've achieved what I wanted to. I feel healthier. I feel um, just more alert. I feel more focused. I think I want to step out and leave. Honestly, this is my this is my tactic. OK, that's fine. But I'll be here for you. I'll be here mm -hmm. for you, because honestly, I want them to get to a point where they can do this on their own. I'm a coach. Yeah. Yeah. My job this is coach. We succeeded. That's, that's, the, that's the goal, brother. That's the goal. And honestly, a lot of times they come back. You know, they come back to me. But I, I can speak for myself and say that I want them to fly away like a bird. You know, if you want to stay with me, that's totally fine. But if you say, hey, I think I've achieved my goals, I feel satisfied. I feel like I've done my job and I've done my part. They walk away happy. They left me a nice rating on Google and Yelp. I'm happy. They're happy. We're both fulfilled. Yeah. Law of reciprocity fulfilled. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's important for us to think about fitness in general. The people, the majority of people that are coming to work with us have absolutely no idea what they're doing. Absolutely. That's our job. Along the way, if we can get them to understand, and that's part of the value that you provide is, is teaching them how to do it for the one day that is in the future that you won't be working together. That's tremendously valuable for a lot of people, right? Some people never want to have to think about that and that's fine too. But think about like LeBron has a trainer, Jordan had a trainer. It, it would be crazy to think that these people don't know how to work out. They have a trainer so that they can mm -hmm. get that much better and outsource mm -hmm. it and not have to think about it and get this objective perspective. And so I think that there's, there's value in both sides of this. Both Are sides. we going to work with every single client forever? No, that's crazy to suggest, but how can we keep these people? How can we provide value beyond eight weeks 16 weeks, whatever the, the initial plan is, that's, so that's the true challenge in all of this. Walk me through and, and talk to us a little bit about, I mean, we explored our conversation so far has basically been, how'd you get started and what does it look like today? So tell me about where all of this is going, Marcel. Tom Fitness Strength and Conditioning in the future, what's this look like? Yeah, so 
the whole thing is this is what I've learned too um, throughout the years is identify my target audience. At first I was just signing everybody up, sign, 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 sign. But you have to know um, if they're the right fit for you, you know? Because uh, I look at it to where my business is more of me being a private trainer, I look at it to where it's more quality over quantity. Some of the big box gyms, well, not some, a huge uh, majority, they look at more sign, sign them up, you know? And, and, and I understand that concept, it's a big box gym. Um, but as far as the direction I'm headed is one day uh, I'm going to have people doing this for me. I'll be overseeing it and they're going to do pretty much what I'm doing, but there'll be at different locations, kind of like anytime fitness, um, or a burn boot camp. right now I'm in it. I love what I do, but I know one day I'm, I'll be 75, 80 years old <laughs> and I still mm-hmm. want the business. You. I, what I want to do is to, I'm creating a legacy right now to where Tom Fitness is never going to go away. It's going to be around forever. Um, I have virtual assistants right now managing other functions of the business. I outsource to where I can focus primarily on my craft. So yeah, to answer your question, Joseph, I'm looking at it to where it'll be a franchise one day to where other people are running Tom Fitness and um, I'm pretty much overseeing uh, what I've built. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a fun conversation because you built it. You can take that answer, whichever direction you want, you know, you can do whatever you want with your business in the future. It sounds like growth is in the cards, building out a team, building out a product that can last and and making this a sustainable business more so than just your profession. Does that sound right? Like expanding sounds, beyond just, it sounds so right. just more so. So, right. And that's the business aspect of it. You know, um, I want people to know that Tom Fitness is not a fly by night business. Um, it is a legal registered business with the state of Virginia. Uh, I try to make sure I'm doing everything right, you know, as a small business LLC. Um, so the credibility is very important. You know, if for those guys listening, if they can go out and um, let's say get a membership with the Chamber of Commerce, that looks good. Um, it's all about credibility. People, people will, word of mouth is good, but once people see that your marketing and you have certain uh, attributes towards your business. You've got the, the marketing concept. You've got the, the chamber of commerce behind you. You've got some media behind you on your belt. People are going to be like, Hey, this guy, this lady, they know their stuff, you know? So just credibility is very important. Um, and just trust. Trust is a big one too. People have to trust you. So. Yeah. Marcel, that's a, a pretty good place for us to begin to wrap our conversation up, but I want to save a minute here for you to tell people where they could learn more about this. What's the, what's the best social media links? How can people find you? Is there a website? Where can people Absolutely. connect with you? Yeah, Joseph, I'm at, uh, you can find me social media. I'm on IG. It's at Tom Fitness. That's T-H-O-M Fitness, all when we're together. I also have a podcast. It's called the Mind and Body Fitness Podcast with Sergeant Shred, um, all social media, all platform streaming. And my website is www.virginiafitnessartist.com. That is perfect. Marcel, this has been fun, man. I always enjoy it was awesome, these types brother. of conversation. Awesome. And, I appreciate and, you. And pick the brain of the people on the ground. So I appreciate Thank you so it. Much. And, Thank and uh, you. like I said, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds for you. So I appreciate your time and I wish you nothing but the best. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, 
Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Wars Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily. And joining us on the show is Tim from Warfield Martial Arts out of Pennsylvania. What's going on, Tim? How are you doing today? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Hello, fitness world. <laughs> uh, we actually changed the name about a year ago to Warfield Martial Arts and, and Wellness. Okay. Because, uh, we, we, we're at a point now where we do a lot of wellness things too, which of course the exercise programs, all those things, Tai Chi, yoga, guest instructors. So it's more than just a, a martial arts studio at this point. And that's what our progressing idea is over the next three years is to really build that secondary aspect of it. Okay, that is awesome, man. So Warfield, martial art and wellness. Okay, <laughs> so tell us this. Um, Describe a little bit, tell us a little bit more about your facility. And after that, can I go into what made you want to start your wellness center in the first place? Sure. Um, We have about 4,000 square feet. Uh, When you walk in our doors, we have uh, an office area with a showcase to to sell, uh, you know, T-shirts and things of that sort. We have a full weight room, we have an exercise room. We have a, a cardio fitness room, which is just lined with heavy bags and all kinds of uh, kicking and punching things uh, for fitness and for self-defense. And then we have another room that's a big open room that um, we use for like Tai Chi or group classes. And uh, like if somebody's doing Zumba, something like that, they have a big room, they can participate in that. All the rooms are connected. You can see all the rooms, but they're in separate areas throughout this 4,000 square feet. Okay, very nice, very nice. So. What made you want to become a business owner in this industry? Well, it was kind of by accident. Um, I was bullied as a young boy uh, in like seventh and eighth grade. And so what happened was I started lifting weights and doing all those things. And I got into boxing and martial arts and so on and so forth. And I was with um, some other instructors and they started a studio up and they said, um, after a while, they got to a point where they took different jobs and they couldn't run the studio and they asked me to do it. That was 1984. So this is our celebration of our 40th year in business. And that's that's a milestone for most places, to have 40 years in a business like that. So that's kind of how it came about. Um, we really strive in, in trying to, like a lot of gyms out there, things like that, it's really an individual thing. It's me, the instructor, uh, the fitness pro, and you, my my protege, I'm going to make you awesome and great. And you have that one-on-one connection. We find that extremely valuable, but we find as valuable is a group mentality where you're part of a larger group where everybody can lean on each other and talk to each other and befriend each other that really adds to the continuance of them coming back week to week and month to month. 
there's a lot of reasons for people to walk away from fitness, as, as I'm sure your listeners know. But when you have that relationship, not just with your instructor, but also with the people that are also going there, it, it's a bind. It's a little harder to break. So that's been one of our big successes. And your voice just went out. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot to unmute myself. I forget to do that occasionally. Okay. All right. So now that I'm back. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into talking about like how you've grown your business over the past 40 years. Like we were talking about earlier, you've gotten a chance to see yeah. how the fitness industry has evolved. And I, I don't think at that time the internet, because the internet was, wasn't invented until like the late 1990s, I believe. So you got to see everything like evolve and transform. And I'm sure that you have had to be adaptable, you know, in order to, to, to keep the doors open and continue to serve your community. Yes, very um, much. Let's talk about now, 2023. Like, what are you doing for marketing now that is generating more clients? Well, I, I think we're, um, like, like we've been witness to a lot of places. They open up and six months later, they're, they're not here. You got good people, very talented people. But there's, there's something that I have found over the years that's missing, and that's history. Everybody says, well, John and Mary Doe are coming in here today and they're going to work out and I'm going to sell them on this program and I'm going to do this and that. But you have to look at the different age groups that you're working with. It is definitely a, a major issue. You can't take somebody who is in their, their 50s or 60s and you want to run a program with them and have the same communication and ideas as someone who's 30 or 40 or 20 or 30 progress in, in uh, fitness has really changed. If you go back to the 70s, uh, most of your listeners may not even been around in the 70s, but it was a different world. Machoism was everything. All the magazines had a little skinny person there on the sand and a girl side of them and a big bowl to kick sand on and then he runs down to the Schwarzenegger gym and lifts and gains muscles and now he's he's become a real man. That was the concept in the 70s. It was a lot different. It was much more of a a machoism type of a thing. When you got into the 80s, if, if you got into a lot of the, uh, the flash dance type movies where fitness became more of an aerobic activity and women really went crazy with it. Uh, they, they actually, uh, I believe uh, through the 80s and 90s, there was probably more women working out than men. And you saw classes like Tybo uh, with Billy Blanks take off. And you had this, this separation of you had the fitness pros, like you had Jane Fonda Fitness and uh, Gladys Portuguese and all these fitness stars. Uh, and then on the other side of it, you had you had these people who were doing like the aerobics and things like that and the cardio kickboxing. And they, they were definitely separated for a long time. And then going into 2000, 2010, they started coming back where you could go into a place and you could do physical fitness on a cardio level and lift weights at the same time. It's no longer, well, I'm a weightlifter or I'm a, a aerobics person. Now it's all come back. And most people out there would agree that when you add resistance to any weight training, you're going to burn more calories. You're going to, you're going to get where you want to faster. So it made sense to pull the two together. And that's what we've been able to do over the last couple of years is really have a place for somebody can come in one night and do aerobic type activity. Next night they can be working on the bags and getting the resistance. 
We have the full weight room that we go over, we work with them on that. And then we have a cool down for the mind, which is of course the Tai Chi type classes. It doesn't matter how hard you want to work out. Emily might say, I want to work out. I'm going to do this and that. But you got finances, you got relationships, you got time, you got illness. You have all these responsibilities that can pull you away from there. Having the mental attitude and putting that into your program really keeps people centered to realize that they are important and not everybody else or other things stand in front of them. And that's been the key to us maintaining the amount of people we have. It's that building of a community, both mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. it, it creates one, it creates an amazing bond, which keeps people there. Yeah. So, and we'll definitely be sure to touch on like client retention, which it kind of sounded like you were like alluding to a little bit. Um, yeah. Backtracking a little bit to the marketing aspect of things like, what do you guys, how have you had to adapt over the past 40 years? Um, and what are some of the things that you guys are looking into now? Yeah. Well, we used to do a lot of demonstrations to bring people in. Of course, uh, print advertising seems to be pretty much dead. So does radio. I mean, in our area, maybe not in other areas, unless you're doing a lot of giveaways. Um, Facebook was huge. Because if people share their, their Facebook experience, I mean, it gets more people in and when they call, you can have a special there for them. Hey, do this, do that, you get this kind of a thing. That's been a big thing. As always, word of mouth, you telling your friends, hey, I went to Warfields, I had a great time. This was amazing. I feel really pumped. That can get two or three people in there. And I think that uh, the buddy system is, is important too. Um, a lot of times it's, it's more difficult to push yourself to do something than if you had a brother or a sister or a friend that wants to work out and then having a program that designed hey for you know two for one or something like that to bring them in we've done a lot of uh, we've we've broken a lot of rules in marketing uh we've had a lot of success we've had a lot of failures so you know you just keep plugging away to see what works and i think that what your what your listeners want to understand too is it's demographics where's your shop what are the people's attitudes in your area how many people can you get in there what's the right time you can have an amazing instructor with just a, a ton of ability and charisma, but if it doesn't fit people's time schedules and it doesn't fit their budget, it's going to be hard to pull those people in. So doing all those things together, we, we kind of have a marketing team that meets once a month. Um, lately, we've been once every other month. We come in and say, what's working? What's not working? And we pull the students. That's really important, too. Um, going to the days or where you're just walking through a gym and you're, you're walking the gym to get people to take personal lessons with you and things. They work and they happen and all your major organizations, like I belong to the ISSA, uh, they all push that. But I think that if you're going to be the example, people will follow the example. You can't really talk a talk but not walk the walk. And this is where when, when we do these little things, we always make sure that whoever's doing it can really promote that because they are that particular product that they're trying to sell. I think the little things like that, it's not always, hey, let's run an ad for a special. Well, that's nice, but what's going to motivate you to come in that door? Is it because I'm running an ad or is it because, hey, feel great, summer's coming up. This is the big time of year for all the listeners out there. We all know that spring and summer right around the corner. We're on the East Coast. We got shoreline. People want to be down at the beach. Um, but just saying, hey, come in and lose weight, or hey, do you want to look great for the beach? It's two different statements. 
you got to kind of hit that person to get the, the reaction. So after you like capture somebody's attention, whether that be social media or like a referral from one of your existing clients, how do you, how would you go about turning them into a member, like a recurring member? Right. If I get somebody on the phone, let's say I have you on the phone. One thing that people have a hard time doing, um, listening. What is it that you want? What is it that you want to get? If you call me and say, well, my friend was at works out there and stuff like that. I'm, I'm thinking about working out. Uh, I don't, that doesn't mean that you want the same results as your friend does. We have to be able to listen to that person. So what I do, people want to imitate this as I sit there with my pen, my paper, I write down the names. I ask open-ended questions. Well, what do you want to do? How long do you want to do it? How much time do you have to put into it? What's your main goal? What's your second and third goal? And I'm making all these notes so that I can kind of turn around and say and, and start formulating what I think I can I can tell you that we can provide to solve those needs that you that you want to have solved. Just saying, come on and work in my gym, you know, we're gonna have a good time, we'll lose weight. That might not be the issue. They might want to just have more energy. They might want to be a play, they might want to get into something where they can make friends. There's so many different things if we just learn to listen and then. Some people have their little, well, if they say this, I'll say this. If they say that, I'll say that. I've been doing this long enough that I can just go on the, you know, off the cuff and do it. But uh, yeah. you know, it's good to have little notes sitting around sometimes if you're talking to somebody. And call them right away. Okay. People are, they're, they're impulse people. Everybody's an impulse. Yeah. You walk into a store, you're, you're impulsed to buy something. You reach up and you shop and you crowd it. If you wait two, three days to call them back, the odds of you getting that person to come in, probably diminished by 80%. Yeah. Or they went someplace else, one or the other. So are you the one that is doing like the selling of the training that you guys offer? Yes. Usually what happens is I have uh, someone who works at the desk. And if um, someone calls in and they answer that, they'll get some base information. And if I'm able, I'll jump on the phone right away. If not, I'll call them back right away. I don't really um, like to have several different people call on someone because when they walk into the shop, they're going to see me. So I want to build that relationship over the phone. And then when they come in, I'm the person that's there with them. Gotcha. That makes any sense to you. I, I think people need to be, I don't want to say led, but they need to see where they want to go. And then you just need to give them the path to get there. Okay. That's a good point. Cause a lot of people don't, they don't know what they want. No, if, if you call a, a lot of these major say gyms where, hey, for a dollar, you can come in, you can do all this and that. You call on the phone, they're going to read off the menu of what the costs are and when they're open. And that's really it. There's very little conversation. So what do you really want? What are you looking yeah. to do? You yeah. know, what's to find out who the person is? You, you, you got to touch on those notes with people. And, yeah. and that that one on one communication is not the easiest thing to do in this in this age, especially after COVID, where nobody could talk to anybody, see anybody. Everybody had to get back on track into how do I actually deal with a real person? And of course, everyone out there, if you're looking to open up a gym, you're in competition with Pelotron and, and these uh, TVs you can put on your wall and Bruce Lee in a week. I mean, that is a, an up and coming market and it's growing because people sometimes are getting more hesitant to leave their homes. So they feel that hey, I can buy this piece of machinery. I can watch this on here. You got to be able to combat that. One of the big yeah. opponents in my area is 
the uh, Pelotron. You know, they're riding bikes and carrying all the people and having a good time. The bike goes this way, then it goes this way. And they, you know, that's pretty cool. I mean, you got to admit, it's pretty cool. But I think that motivation, you have to have that right person to motivate themselves to do that. Where when they walk in that studio, if, if you're my instructor, you're not motivating me. The odds of me continuing to come back are going to be slim. You got to be with me. Hey, glad to see you. I am so glad. I'll tell you what, Emily. I couldn't wait to see you come in. What are we working on today? What do we, you know, what do you want to do? Come on, don't look at me like that. What do you really want to do today? What are we going to do? And uh, when you get that kind of relationship that with people, you become a destination. And see, a lot of people don't understand that. The gym is a destination. It's really just a building with weights. And if that's all it is, you're not going to keep people. The destination is going there because you know you're going to have a good time. You know you're going to work out. You like the people that are there. All those little things that it's like a little vacation for you to go work out. That's what maintains you. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said, Tim. So I had a question. Oh, okay. So my question is like, when it comes to pricing, like how have you had to have you increased your, how much have you increased your, your prices over the last few years? You, got, you guys have been like around for 40 years, right? So um, how have you adjusted like the pricing? Well, it's interesting because uh, up until COVID, the simplest thing to do is what's everybody charging? You know, I want to be charging what everybody else is. That was, um, you know, you can call around or you can see advertisements and see what other people are charging out there. You don't want to be the cheapest person on the street. You don't necessarily want to be the most expensive. So we try to figure out what everyone else is doing within that, within that, uh, if it's, if it's aerobics or it's a Zumba or it's like, like I said, KO fitness, what are we doing in our area? They're charging this is probably low compared to some of the areas out there, but like in our area, they're charging like $6 a class, $8 a class. Um, you know, some are charging five. So if you go in three days a week, it's $15 a week. So you figure that's $60 a month. Hey, but if you give me $50 and you can have the whole month and save $10, we're in, a, in an area where the prices are, are cheaper. But don't let that fool you. Because if I'm in New York City and I'm taking lessons, I might be paying $25 for a class because that's the going rate there. It might cost $6,000 a month to rent your space. Here, everything is proportionate. So no matter where you live, it's kind of proportionate to what, what you're going to pay. We tend to look at it as what is it going to, what do we want to make? Right. Here's something that, that uh, in, in martial arts, this is what they do. I'll just give you a quick thing. Let's say, Emily, you want to be a, a person who does training. You're a personal trainer. You want to make $100,000 a year. So if you backtrack it, that means you'd have to have about 40 people paying you $200 a month that come every month to work out with you, 40 people paying you $200 a month. So now how do I get those 40 people? How do I keep them there? It'd be pretty hard for you to do private lessons with 40 different people a month. So if you cut that in half, where are you going to make up the rest of the money? Well, when you talk about charging, if I'm charging you $10 to come in for a lesson, but maybe I have drinks there, I have water there for sale, I have equipment for sale, I have all those things. Those markups you know, can all can offset that too. In in the in the martial arts world, what they do is they look at everybody as as a yearly payment. I'm gonna get this much from their lessons, this much from equipment, this much for testing. 
and then they know that one person is going to generate this income now how much they'll want to make that's how they know how many people they need okay so, so the quick answer would have been we look at what everybody else is doing and do just a little bit more but not as much as what the the most expensive person is okay so to piggyback off that question um with where your your prices currently sit now are can you say that you are charging what you're worth in terms of the value that you guys bring to the table um i think we were pre-covid mm -hmm. but i think now we're undercutting our real value to try to rebuild our business you got to remember on the east coast like in pennsylvania where i'm from we were closed up basically the whole year but you still had your rent you had to pay your insurance you had to pay if you wanted people to stay there you had to pay them something so you spent a lot of money just to stay open and when you're reopening up you had to run specials because once someone if, if you come in and work out with me for six months but then you're, you're off for a year it's hard to get you back in there it really is um pennsylvania was brutal on businesses with covid and so we've i think the whole industry kind of backed toad a little bit and then rebrought things back up so i'm i'm probably a little less than i should charge i'm comfortable with it not saying that I wouldn't raise it a year from now. We just have to see where the actual economy is going to go, because that's important, too. Uh, when the economy is booming, people have money to spend. When it's not, fitness and things like that tend to be the, one of the first things they're going to cut. You know, they're going to pay their rent or their mortgage and their car paid before they're going to pay me to, to come in and lift weights with them, train them. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the goals, which we briefly spoke about before we went live. So you got big goals, you know, over the next three years. And ultimately, you know, one of those goals is for you to retire soon. Yes. So, you know, talk about some of the growth that needs to take place in order for that to happen. Well, the first thing that we're looking at is it's our location. Our location is nice with a parking lot. It's not in the best part of town. So Location, 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 you hear that all the time. We may look to relocate to a little bit better area and then we can charge possibly a little bit more. Of course, we're going to pay more rent. We may need more space. Some nights in there, it's just wall wall people. And in order, we want to hit a 20% growth this year, 20% the next and 20% the year after that. We have plans to do that and how we're going to do it. Um, but we may run out of space. So, and... The, 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 the important times, you know, say four o'clock to nine o'clock at night, that's when 80% of your people are going to work out. If they're retired, different things like silver sneaker programs, things like that, they're going to be there during the day. You have, we're trying to balance out what we can do in the time space that we have and the physical space. So that's where our, where our challenges come in there. How can we, can we get more out of a space that's already maxed out? And we don't want to necessarily just charge more money. We want to add some sort of a benefit or something extra. So we've been doing spin-off classes like on a Saturday from something that they do during the week. Like I'm, I'm a master uh, instructor in Chinese Kung Fu and also in Korean Hapkido. And we do little weapons and self-defense classes. Girls going back, to, going to college. Hey, you want your daughter to go there? Or you want to get some self-defense concepts, not punching and kicking, but how not to be a victim. So we start to add those little programs and market it to the people who are in that group. So that one extra hour might bring in $1,000, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, just to have that if we have enough people generated. So it may not be 
a case where we always have to bring more people in or charge more, give them something that they're willing to pay for on the side. And that's what we do really well. We sit there and we think, what can we do? We know the students, we know what they're looking for. We know the community and everybody out there, you gotta be in your community. If you're not uh, going to different functions and showings and things like that, uh, make sure you're at the places where people see you. Wear a t-shirt, I have a rugby shirt on, but wear a t-shirt that, uh, that says your business or a polo shirt or something, you know, advertise yourself. A lot of people are, little, I don't wanna do that. Well, you're gonna have a hard time building a successful career if you're not willing to go down the street and say, hey, I have a fitness place and I think you and I can really work out together, that kind of thing. Okay, well, Tim, thank you for sharing. We appreciate your insight today on the show. Um, it's almost time for us to wrap things up, but I do have one more question for you. And that question is, thinking back to 40 years ago when you started your business, um, knowing all the things that you know now, give yourself a piece of advice that you didn't know that you needed to hear way back then. Okay, one, don't, we all wanna dream, but don't think your dreams are reality until it becomes reality. You know, a lot of, a lot of times you, you just take too many chances in business. Stick with what you know is gonna work. Two, most important thing, surround yourself with loyal people. People that work for you, people who are in your business, or if they're not loyal, it's gonna affect you. You know, that's just the way it is in the fitness industry. Who is your best buddy now is your competitor next week? You gotta find loyal people and you gotta treat your people right. A lot of times we were competing in, in tournaments and doing this and that, we worried a lot about ourselves. Am I gonna win a grand championship? Am I gonna win the title? You know, um, that doesn't help other people that are around you. You really gotta make sure the people around you wanna be there with you and wanna stay in that team. You gotta create that loyalty. Without that, your business is gonna suffer. Nobody's a, is a one person team. You need help and you need to make sure that you're taking care of that help. Absolutely, man. Very well said. So before we wrap things up on this episode, please tell our listeners where they can find you. I'm in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. It's a, a little town near Hershey, Pennsylvania, Hershey Chocolate, Lancaster. We're an hour away from the Philadelphia Eagles. So how uh, to put that plug in there for the Eagles. But uh, <laughs> we're actually in the, in the heart of the horse and buggy uh, Amish community. And okay. uh, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, I'm at the... Uh, 301 East Wyman Street, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, 17046. Uh, we're going to be doing a whole bunch of uh, study at home videos. We're starting that this year, too. That's part of our growth plan. So people can work out at home and do some of the stuff we do. Yeah. All righty, Tim. Well, thank you so much. You know, we really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and definitely looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. You're thank welcome. you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Right. Also to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate we, we appreciate you guys as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Words Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us, our guest on the show today, we have Mr. Jerry Pugh of Workout Anytime with 21 locations. Jerry, how are you today, sir? What's going on? I'm doing good. I am. I'm excited to to pick your brain on this. It's rare, is it, that that we get to speak to somebody with 21 different locations, and so I would assume we have a, a pretty good idea of how to run gyms and and know more today than we did when we opened up location number one. But we'll talk through all of that. Workout Anytime is an interesting brand in the fitness space, and and so take a minute here, Jerry, for the people who aren't familiar with the franchise give us a quick description of what workout anytime is first before we get into the the actual business conversation well um that's kind of a loaded question i guess workout anytime when we first got into this was a little bit different than it is now uh initially workout anytime was smaller smaller brand uh they always say they want to be the best workout per square foot in the industry um we were you know, we have a cardio, full deck strength, like the most people, hydro massage, tanning, uh, just basically no, originally we're kind of no, I guess, frills, nothing too special, uh, just a really nice workout. And that's what kind of what I fell in love with when I started as a member with Workout Anytime was it was something simple, get in, get a good workout in and go home. Yeah. Now, uh, fascinating to me is that you began your journey with Workout Anytime as a member and a user of the product before the ownership side. Take us back to to the early days when the idea started swimming around in your head of maybe maybe I could own one of these things. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur serial entrepreneur um you know and so i was always looking for opportunities i had a, a business in the auto body industry completely nothing in the fitness industry uh agriculture business just was a member of workout anytime and just had a good relationship with the staff they were always friendly always talking to me when i came in they liked me they knew i was an entrepreneur and they asked me if I would consider buying that location. So, I, you know what? I never had thought about owning a gym. 
So I thought maybe I started, I'll look into that. And then initially in 2013, looked at the brand, talked to the franchise, um, talked to the owner of that. And at that time, um, just had a lot of things going on. It didn't work out to buy that location. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, it, it kind of gave me an opportunity to go as I was traveling a lot after that, it gave me the opportunity to, um, be a member of a lot of different gyms to know mm-hmm. kind of what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, so when I, I think when we came into this four years later and opened our own gym, we kind of had a, I kind of had a better idea of what I wanted and why I wanted to be, you know, part of workout anytime. Yep. And so the spark was ignited at least, but it took a handful of years to, to actually get to the point of day one doors opening beyond that. I mean, we've gotten to, to 21. So just kind of compare and contrast for the audience quickly, what the difference, what the biggest difference is that you see between running one club and running 21. You know, with one and I guess probably me, even with three or four, you know, especially close to home, I was able to be in those locations every day, keep my finger on the pulse of the staff of the gym. Um, and I found out as we continue to grow, it was, it was a lot more difficult. So we really had to learn how to put people in place. And, and there's kind of a, you have to, you have to have enough cash flowing enough to be able to hire more people. So it's kind of that fine line between how do I make this work with, I know it's working with, you know, two or three, but then all of a sudden I have to hire more people. And then, so it's it's kind of like this snowball effect. Like you continue to have to grow, able to grow or to be able to pay all the people that you're trying to put in place to, uh, to scale. Yeah. And it's interesting because whether one club or, 21 or beyond money in versus money out is a, a pretty clear scoreboard and we have to balance ROI at the end of the day. It's just probably a bigger number at this point that we're, that we're trying to balance and, and riskier decisions because of the scale on all of this. Now look back on, on your time here, Jerry, just owning all of these clubs. What's been, what's been your favorite part? of this journey so far and what's been the most challenging for you? In the very beginning, um, I think my favorite part was really learning, uh, learning the industry because I really knew nothing about the industry at all. So I wanted to dig in and, you know, we were there pre-selling every club. I was signing up, you know, I was, I was signing up members for 10 hours uh, during the first day of pre-sales, never leaving the computer. Um, just, you know, working shifts when someone was sick. Um, and I think that probably, I, I always feel like I know, I, I know the gyms, I know that now because of the time and effort I put in in the beginning, because I really didn't want to be, a, I never wanted to be an absentee owner. I wanted to learn everything I could about the business so that going forward, I could have those conversations with the staff and, you yeah and the team that's over the staff. So if, if I want, if I could have an educated, an educated conversation, um, probably the most difficult thing was when the first two gyms that we opened, we hit home runs. Uh, we, 
were the first, we had two gyms in the, like that there were nine gyms, I think at that time that had 3000 members and we had two of them and they were both only uh, less than 18 months old. And yeah. um, when and comp- these were the first two that you opened, you said, so were the first two. So we got, yeah. we got bit by the bug and we thought, Oh, we know how to do this. And we realized when competition came in, um, maybe we didn't know that much. And so we really had to learn to be owners at that point. And we reached out, reached out to and hired a guy that had some experience in the industry, really at that point doing, he wasn't working for us full time. He was kind of doing just working about 20 hours a week, helping put systems in places. I, I realized early on, we had to have systems in place to be able to compete because we could be great owners and have clean gyms. But if we really didn't understand the sales process and didn't understand what it took to really the marketing and get people in the door, we couldn't compete um, with some of the larger brands. And that's, I think that's really what we did that made us different or better. We just really dug in to those gyms. And, and although we, we took a big hit early on, we've continued to work those gyms and have, and are now back profitable. We were very profitable early on. Then we became break even and now back to profitable because we you know, never gave up and just continued to work those. Yeah. And sort of a, a victim of your own success. It, it, it sort of inflated the ego there for a little while, but lessons learned. This is a, a trial and error type industry through and through. You mentioned the marketing and the sales process. At the end of the day, this is a fitness business and we are fitness business customers. For you guys, over the years at least, what have you found strategically to be successful on the marketing front? And what maybe would you not recommend people invest their time and their dollars in in a marketing sense? We, we've tried a lot of different marketing uh, companies, a lot of different marketing. Um, you know, we were initially, we just kind of followed the playbook. It was, uh, do a mail out every single month, do, um, you know, Facebook marketing or social media marketing, uh, you know, marketing on Google and, um, and, and, you know, we were successful, but then I, I felt like that we really didn't know, we didn't really didn't know what we didn't know, you know, okay. So what's our cost. We didn't really focus on cost for acquisition. We would just throw money at it. And then really over the last, I would say 18, really post COVID, we decided we were, were going to really try to focus on the marketing and it was going to be a spend based on our cost for acquisition. We decided, okay, what do we want our ac- cost acquisition cost to be? And that's all we're going to spend on you know especially a location that is um, existing maybe a new location or maybe a location we've redone we may spend a few extra bucks but that seems to be work well for us and we don't do as many mail outs as we did it's it's more of a strategic time for mail outs we don't do them every single month like we did back we were spending a lot of money back then and um we're our marketing is more targeted now uh based on we're looking at specific demographics in our, in our markets that we know we're going to sign up for our gyms. So we go after those demographics more than just a spray method and hope, you know, see what sticks. 
uh, but we still do a lot of, uh, you know, we primarily are social and, and Google. And yep. you know, so I think that's, that's almost more a reflection of marketing more so than, than your individual attempt at it, because we put a decent amount of money into mailers. Everybody was putting money into mailers at the time. And, and it's just, tactic and, and what provides the ROI, like you said, CPA that we're looking for, we get a better return digitally than we do with traditional print, whatever that comes in the form of. A lot of it has shifted that way, but it doesn't mean that the other options don't work. I think marketing at the end of the day, especially on a scale like this, is a toolkit. The more we get married to one single individual tool, it increases the risk if that if Facebook decides to to change their algorithm or if Facebook for whatever reason gets shut down and all we have is the ability to get Facebook leads, we're going to be in trouble tomorrow if that's the case. So it's a it's a diversification process nonetheless. You mentioned the sales process being important for you. Sales in our field gets a really bad rap for gimmicks and tactics and and sleazy approaches talk me through from a high level at least we register an individual lead somebody is interested in joining one of our clubs what are some of the checkpoints along the way for that person to eventually become paying member again it was part of the industry i didn't understand uh i remember when we joined workout anytime and um like the gym that i was in they used paper and highlighters uh, you would sign in on a paper guest waiver uh, when you walked in the gym. And then there were other things. There were, CR, you know, there were CRMs out there that was available to the Workout Anytime franchisees. And when we first came in, we decided, okay, it was Lead Dolphin we were using back then that doesn't even exist anymore. It was sold. But um, we, we, we didn't understand what that was. So we're like, okay, there has to be a better way. And then they said, oh, yeah, you have access to this. So we started using that. And then we really dug in. To, so how can we take that customer from the time they come in the door or they call and ask about the gym and they give them, you know, they're interested. How can we continue to use that to take them through the process? And it was we learned how to. That's when we learned how to, we learned to make phone calls and learn to send emails and text messages and really how they respond, which is uh, I would say the majority of the workout anytime franchisees at that point were not using um, none of entirely manual at that point. Is that it right? was entirely manual. So we, we really, when, when we made it, things a lot more automated, uh, we would send out uh, a cadence of emails to get people to respond. And, and that seems to have, you know, have worked, has worked pretty well for us. And we yeah. require our, we require our uh, staff members to, send texts to make phone calls to send emails uh just to keep that person engaged and i think if we if we had not done that after covid um th things wouldn't would not be as good as they are now we really focused on okay what do, what do we want to do like we want to focus on getting people on a premium membership so how do we do that you know we learned really how to sell those memberships not just have someone come in and 
just sell them whatever, you know, let them walk around and oh, pick whatever you want and whatever, whatever you want to sign up. We really focused on how to sell that and yep. what kind of membership to sell. That was that was the difference that we changed from when we first came into this really till about two years ago. I say we really learned how to be real gym owners, real business right. owners. Uh, it, it, but it took a, it took us some years of a lot of trial and error and yeah. a lot of failures and, and to, to really realize what we needed to do to be competitive. I want to highlight a couple of the things you said, because I think they were important. And we, we differentiate between lead nurture and the sales process. But you mentioned in the nurture aspect of this, for a long time, it was entirely manual. And I think in our space, there's been this interesting kind of pendulum swing of for decades and decades and decades, it was manual phone calls and manual emails. And then things swung the other way and everything was automated and it felt really robotic for a long time. And now it's kind of coming back to this almost hybrid. We have these automated campaigns built out, but then there's a human element ready to respond when we do get that. And it, it maximizes the the efficacy of it at least now through the sales process you guys are, are focusing on this premium membership that you mentioned and, and work out anytime as a model of course is based on the volume of members but has slotted itself really nicely in with a coaching focus to things like nutrition coaching personal training group training whatever that takes the form of is that conversation, have you found it better at point of sale or later on after someone has has had an experience and used the facility a little? I think both. I think you have to make sure that you are focusing on point of sale, but I think there's people that will buy point of sale, but I think there's people that have to be, they have to get to know you, feel like, um, I trust this person. Uh, which we have something called a success session and work out anytime. It's a phrase that was coined several years ago by another franchisee. And it's, it's kind of our fitness orientation where we bring someone in, we sit down and talk about their goals with, they talk about with our fitness director. Uh, we take them through a three-dimensional scan, um, talk about, you know, this is what, what are your goal? This is what it would take to get there. And sometimes it takes that. Now, sometimes people come in, they're ready right at point of sale. You know, they're excited that day. Okay, I'm ready to do it all. I want to sign up for membership. I want to sign up for personal training. But there are is that group too that's, so I think we have to do both. And, and that's one of the things we hired um, about not quite two years ago, probably 18, 19 months ago, we hired a, a guy that had a lot of experience in the fitness industry. Um, his name is Israel Allen. He was with a fitness connection with 24-hour with fitness. Yep. And, and he, we hired him. He'd actually been, uh, worked for, um, one of the training companies, uh, PTA global. And he became available when that company got bought out and we came in to, to really build us a PT program because from the ground up, I said, Hey, um, we don't really, we have a small PT program, but we want a big PT program, uh, that's never really been done on, on a large scale in this model and, and work out any time. And, and he came in and it's, we've done really, we've done really well, um, over the past, probably 
12 to 15 months um, yeah. with him really focusing on exactly what you talked about at point of sale, floor pulls. At point of sale, we try to get everyone signed up for a success session, um, which as a premium member, you get one of those a month, even if you don't sign up for personal training. But as a new member, everyone gets one of those. And we try to sell the importance of seeing where you are and seeing if there's something we can do more. Like you talk about, we offer nutritional coaching. Uh, and in some and some of the gyms, we do offer group classes as, as part of it. Right. I, I think a lot of the time in this sort of model, whether it's workout anytime or quote unquote big box, commercial gym, whatever title you want to put on it, personal training is somewhat of an afterthought. It's a, it's something that we offer, but it's not marketed well. It's not present, but a well-designed, and it sounds like you guys have quickly figured this out, a well-designed PT department can be just as lucrative, if not more lucrative than EFT revenue in general. And those things play off each other really well, especially as, as we can scale and focus on this system-wide. For you guys, as you move forward with, with the 21 clubs that you have, and I'm sure that it's case by case on a club level, but do you find that the growth focus is going to be more memberships in general to trickle down to those type things? Do we want to focus directly on PT and add-on services and the like? Is it something else that we haven't even discussed yet? What are you, what are you thinking about as time goes on here? Obviously early on in the, I think in the life cycle of a gym, it's super important to, to build that membership base early and, and also to try to build the PT revenue early. Because if you're, it's a new gym, that's when the most excitement is. That's when people seem to more, they'll want to sign up for personal training more. And that's when we have our largest growth of membership. But I think after you get, when you get to more of a, a seasoned gym or, you know, a gym really that's not in a major growth, that's when you, I think you focus even more on the personal training and the mm -hmm. culture. We've seen that, that that clubs that do well at personal training have a lot of coaches on the floor. Seems like the culture is very good in that gym. It, PT becomes kind of the lifeblood of right. that because the members see a lot of that stuff going on, and because they see other members in there, then they kind of want to be a part of. Hey, what's going on? I want to. I want yeah. to see that too. Yeah. And visibility um, is a big factor for sure. Absolutely. And, and you know to build. I don't know that we thought we would build um, twenty, thirty thousand dollar a month PT programs um, in smaller clubs with small with small member bases, um, and, and we've done. I mean, we've we've been able to do that, um, and, and I think really the sky's the limit, and, and it's based on obviously your people. Um, some do better than others, and some gyms that have three thousand members are not doing as well in PT as some clubs that have 1500 members, just because you have a really good, really good culture in that club. And that, I know we talk about culture and it seems like this thing that we talk about a lot, but it, yeah. it is a thing. It really is a thing. In those as clubs. soon as you step in, you can, you know, it's sort of intangible to talk about at this level, but if you walk through the doors, I think everyone that listens to this podcast would agree with you on that. 
So, Jerry, I mean, 21 locations, the, the question sitting and burning in my mind is how far do we take this? <laughs> Excuse me. What what do you want to see as, as the future of, of the holdings company that you oversee? Where what where where do we take this thing as time goes on? You know, when I first the first franchise training, the first franchisee training I went to, um, I, I don't think I'd thought about a number. And then I, re I remember going again to franchisee training and I had spoken to Steve Strickland, who's the CEO of Workout Anytime Franchising. And um, he asked me originally, like how many clubs I wanted to open. And we were in a conversation. I said, I think I want to do 50 of these things, you know, and then he asked me in front of the group how many I wanted to do. And then even later it grew to a hundred. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's this, um, we talked about this earlier. You, we have this big group of leadership in order to have this big group of leadership to be able to keep this thing rolling. There has to be a certain number of clubs that make sense financially. Um, so I think we're kind of at that tipping point we're there, but we're, we're set for growth. So I think I'm willing to grow, you know, as the growth is available, as clubs become available or good areas become available. And then we keep looking for those. So I'm just open to, yeah, if we find a good area and, it and we've done all the research on it and it seems with everything we know today, seems like a good, I'm willing to do it. Or if there's a struggling owner that it looks like, Hey, you know, they're willing to, they want to step out. And we have an opportunity there. So, you know, we're going to grow in both ways. We're going to grow in opening new clubs and taking over existing workout any times. We've not took over any gyms and rebranded those. I wouldn't be, you know, I would do that too, but it's just not ever happened. But yep. so the answer is, I don't know, the sky's the limit, I guess. Yeah, we don't have a, a hard and fast, this is the number, but I think that's probably more to your advantage. I find that when people cite, yeah, I want to have 10 locations, 50 locations, 100 locations. A lot of the time that clouds judgment. You know, we have to still make sure that these things are, are profitable at the end of the day and not just acquiring clubs for the sake of acquiring clubs. There's a big difference and it's, I'm, I'm sure at the, the pace that you guys are at, it can become difficult to, to sort of control burn this thing as it goes forward. Unfortunately, we're we're running a bit shy on time here, Jerry, but I wanna I wanna save a minute or two for you at least to tell people where they can learn more about workout anytime or or if there's any individual clubs you want to shout out. What are websites, social media links? Where can people find out more about this? Well, workoutanytime.com um, is and then you know they, they have a, a great team there. Uh, that'll help if they're interested in in checking more into being a franchisee. Um, Randy Trotter is the senior VP of the of development there, and then uh, Terry Haroff is the she's the director of sales. I believe it's her title of franchise sales, um, and and they do a great job of really getting people in. And you know, they sold me early on on and. 
on the family thing at workout anytime you know steve all they, they brought me in and steve has always made me feel like a part of the family and i think that's why i would just just chose workout anytime the first time i went there i knew i was going to be the first time i went i knew i was going to be a franchise i knew a franchisee a franchise yeah and so people of the gym lords podcast check out workout anytime check out Jerry Pugh and the many, many clubs that they own. Jerry, this has been tremendous. I really appreciate your willingness to, to share your perspective and, and give your thoughts on the inner workings of all of this. I'm excited to see where, where this all goes for you in the future. So we're out of time, but I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed being Absolutely. Here. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.